Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Tom Wells here. Today is Monday, July the 30th, 2018, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, your first daily dose of happiness for the day and for the week. And we're off to a good start here, at least in Connecticut we are. We're, we're experiencing a really nice patch of weather. I mean, just, you know, the kind of weather where you wake up, it's like mid, late 60s, upper 60s, lower 70s, and it's it's dry and it's clear and everything's green and blue and yellow and all the beautiful colors are on. <laughs> My favorite kind of weather. So, I, I mean, I know I mention weather a lot, but I really like this weather. <laughs> <laughs> when you said... I thought you said late 60s, and I was picturing it's like it was in the late 1960s. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I didn't quite phrase that one. Pictured people in Volkswagen bugs and (laughs) Volkswagen buses driving all around. Flower power and all that. Everybody's happy. (laughs) There is no such thing as craziness. No, Mm -hmm. I'm kidding. (laughs) I don't know. There's plenty of craziness, if I remember correctly, about that period. Yeah, there was. But that's all right. So we were we're yeah. off to a good start for this week. This is a this is a good day. Yeah. So how are you doing, Tom? I mean, how was your weekend? Well, it was good. You know, I had some um, times where I felt connected to source, and some times where I didn't feel connected. And mm. so I decided that that's what I wanted to talk about today in today's podcast. Uh, you know, how do you be unconditionally connected to source in a relationship? Because I was with my partner a good part of the weekend, and mm. and. It's really interesting to see going in and out of conditional and unconditional love, you might say, or being in that place where you're feeling really good or that place where you're feeling stretched by conditions. Um, it's interesting that you described, you, you kind of equated source with love, which I agree. I think it's an excellent um, correlation, but the un- unconditional or conditional source energy, that, I hadn't heard it that way, but it, I mean, it makes sense once you think about what the words mean, but conditional source versus unconditional source. Okay. Well, that's different. Uh, well, maybe that's not a good way to put it, but I guess source is always there. That's for sure. And if something if something is happening, the solution to that conditional thing is, is happening right there at the same time that the uh, so-called conditional problem is happening. The source, the, the solution is taking shape, but the only way, I guess that I see it is when I'm in a place of uh, feeling the unconditional. Right. Yeah. When you're in the, in the alignment, as, as Abraham likes to call yeah, it. In alignment. Yeah. Yeah. Because when we're not in alignment, then I like the way they express it. They they say essentially, we're disagreeing with our inner being. We're, we're having an argument with ourselves. <laughs> and when we're in that place, that's conditional. <laughs> and that's yeah. true. It really is true. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, to me, I find this whole arena to be, kind of like crazy making to my mind, which in a way makes sense because the mind maybe can't really grasp what this idea of unconditional means, you know, because always with our senses, we're perceiving conditions and then we're looking for environments that are pleasing. At least I am. I'm, I'm looking for conditions that come into my eyes and ears and all my senses that are pleasing to me. And when conditions are unpleasing, then I feel like I'm I don't have the life I want to have. Mm-hmm. And then I want to tweak the conditions or freak out about the conditions because they're not the way I want them to be. And really the whole thing is that the conditions need to be irrelevant to me. And what needs to be relevant is my inner connection. Um, not that the conditions don't matter, but that the conditions are going to line up the way I, more I wait, the way I want them to when I'm connected first to, to source. I'm, I'm feeling that that connection of, you know, alignment. 
No, I hear you. And, and in fact, for me, it's also, I mean, when we live life, we experience it as a series of conditions. And it seems like the conditions happen to us. The, the uh, teachings that we learn about how the law of attraction works and deliberate creation and uh, the art of allowing and all that stuff, that teaching basically says the feeling and the thought comes first and then the conditions show up, which is contrary yes. to the way we, we feel like we experience it. So mm -hmm. on, on the one hand, as you're describing the, the conditions of, of life, I, I think to myself, well, yeah, but I'm, tr I'm actually trying to learn how to create the conditions, not just to wait for the conditions to show up. And, and mm -hmm. that's kind of the, the, it's not really, a, well, it's a contrast. It's also a bit of a paradox, you know, which comes first, chicken or the egg. Yeah. Yeah. And so what to do about that in any given moment? in one's life when, you know, it seems like we're dependent on the conditions and we're trying to change the conditions to make our life more pleasant. You know, it's uh, like the example of the world we live in. It's how much, how much of the time are we trying to get our house to be just right and our car to be just right and our, <laughs> our food to be just right and everything, you know, and our partner, you know, <clears throat> our friends, you know, how can we have everything be, just the way we want them conditionally. And I think I've spent a lot of time focusing on conditions. Sometimes I don't even realize. I mean, it's so normal and natural in a sense in my life to be, I think, trying to tweak conditions and then, then to realize that, no, the real place that all this is coming from is my relationship to my inner being. Mm. You know, this is all an inner game. Um, or it's, or really it's an inside job, as they often say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the 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 idea of being conditional and thinking conditionally that that idea is well, it's not only our biggest challenge, it's it's ever present. So, mm. and, and I think that's why it's so difficult to, at least at first and even over time, completely accept the idea that we're creating the conditions with our minds, and that mm -hmm. we're creating it with our, like you said, we're when we're in agreement with the inner being, the rest of us, the other side of us, the non-physical side of us, when we're in agreement with that, that's when we're doing our best creation. And when we're not in agreement, that's when we're not doing our best creation or maybe miscreating or creating stuff that we really despise. <laughs> yeah. But even, so, even I, with all that knowledge, it still, it still seems like the, the creations just happened to us. That, that's the part that really is for me anyway, that's my biggest challenge trying to remind myself I'm the creator of it. I'm the creator. I keep creating this stuff. Now, mm. If I don't like what I'm creating, you know, stop playing with the ball of clay that way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I was looking at this thing from Abraham where they're saying if, if you're with a person who's in your life, first of all, that person only showed up because of uh, the law of attraction. You know, they, that person is there because there's a divine invitation to them to be in your life. And it's, it's for both unconditional reasons and conditional reasons and in, in my mind anyway it's like like there they are mirroring mm. <laughs> the stuff that i'm really projecting they couldn't be there and they couldn't be saying and doing and appearing the way they are appearing if they weren't a manifestation of my vibration and some aspect of my vibration is allowing that person to be there in front of me and so so anything that i'm like externalizing onto them is really something that, that is in my vibration. And so that's where I need to deal with it. And um, it's, it's amazing to realize that everything I want in that relationship 
is going to be affected by how I tune my vibration. Well, plus and the way you phrased it. I mean, you were writing about relationships and, and relationship love. But we, we said, uh, can we ever find love when we are focused on improving or tweaking or freaking out about conditions? And it, I mean, that really, that phrase, take out finding love and replace it with, with attracting anything. I don't care, fill in yes. the blank. And, you know, can we uh, fill in the blank when we are focused or, or attract fill in the blank when we are focused on improving or tweaking or freaking out about conditions? The question almost answers itself at that point, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really does. Yeah, but the th go ahead. No, well, because you know, clearly, all the the tweaking does is focus on the conditions, mm -hmm. and that's the thing that here we are. We are human beings who constantly focus on conditions. That's kind of the way we're built to act, and yet we know the one thing we can't do if we want to be the most deliberate creators possible is to not focus on the conditions. <laughs> mm -hmm. it's kind of like it's like it's like a dirty trick really when you think about it right you know <laughs> well, okay, okay. Divine, you, you or if it's a divine blessing well depending on right exactly on how you look yeah. at it but but one way or another you're, you it's like your your entire being is is totally uh it's like your head is in a lock right and you're it's locked in position it can't look anywhere else and your eyes are locked in position they aren't allowed to look anywhere else and you're mm -hmm. always expected to look at those conditions and then say okay I'm ignoring the conditions. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. exactly. And, and how the heck, when the conditions aren't what we want, are we supposed to then find a way to not care? You know, I mean, if, if you're going through a whole lot of pain in your body, and, but you know that if you would get your emotions off how much you think you're, you're suffering and put your emotions on the fact that things could get better, you know, the pain could diminish, that this could change, you know, and you and you get yourself more and more into this place where you're you're just less focused on your freak out about it, and you're more more focused on hope that hey, this I I hope I believe this could change. That's how you open the door to the to the pain becoming less, and, and, and well, not just to, not just to the pain pain becoming less, but to the manifestations you want becoming more. It's both. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, if so, if everything's coming from source and source is only in this place of perfection, then, you know, and we're lining up with this place of perfection and then, and everything, and that's literally our vortex and everything we want in a relationship, in our health, in our career, it's all going to come from this place where we get lined up with our higher self, with our inner being. And that's when the everything flows from our vortex, and we then we do start having more and more conditions that we want in our life. And um, I've noticed too that as my own ability to get myself into that alignment, get myself into that better feeling place, and to stay there more often, as I do that, I mean, it, it's very clear to me. Good stuff starts to happen when that when you do that. When I do that, that's when interesting, all kinds of cool stuff happens. That very often leads to the things that I want happening in my life to happen. Mm -hmm. And nevertheless, despite that fact, there's also the doubt side, the doubt side that, well, I'm not really sure it's going to work out. I'm not really sure it's mm -hmm. going to play out the way I want it to. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the side of, well, when you get yourself into alignment, it also just feels, just feels good, you know? And so how much time am I just kind of spending time feeling good and, you know, okay, I'm not worrying about the particular results that come. I'm just focusing on the feeling good part. And what role does that play in breaking my, my attachment, my, my fascination with what is. Mm -hmm. and, and I think what I've been finding is 
I mean, I, I haven't really gotten to the point where I do this regularly or it's like, you know, day in, day out, all day long. But I think what happens is as we get more and more familiar, more and more experienced with, more and more exposed to being in that feel-good place, not only does it become easier to stay there, but it also becomes clearer how the process works. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. We, we learn that... There's a way to be more and more connected to source. Is that what you're saying? Well, that we're not only are we more and more connected to source, but we're. I, I think the biggest problem we all have. I mean, we're just talking about how you get so focused. It's almost like we have our heads locked in place and our eyes locked mm -hmm. in place, and we're yeah. not allowed to move. You know, we get yeah. so focused on the what is and and expecting events to happen to us rather than being the creator of it that it it mm -hmm. takes a lot to shift away from that viewpoint from that belief. Because that mm -hmm. is a belief, really. And in the process of getting into the aligned position, in the process of getting into that good feeling place, I think what happens over time as we succeed in doing so longer and longer and more and more consistently, it, it somehow becomes more obvious to us that the reverse proposition is true, that in fact we do create, that in fact it isn't the events happening to us. It isn't the experiences happening to us, but we are, in a sense, happening to the experiences. We, mm -hmm. are, we are making the experiences happen. We are making the events happen, and we're doing it by changing our focus. I, I think what happens is we learn to believe that the opposite, the, the one thing we, we couldn't possibly dare is true, dare to believe is true, that that thing really is true, that we really are mm -hmm. in control. Mm -hmm. We're learning mm -hmm. our own control the more that we're in alignment. Hmm. Yeah. 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 And I was checking out some Abraham things on this and they were saying that one big key to everything is to make the external things irrelevant <laughs> and to really, you know, take this charge we have on the external thing, the condition, you know, the conditional thing needing to make us happy, needing to be our source of happiness. And we, we make it less and less relevant and we make, this basic alignment with source, the most relevant thing and the only truly relevant thing to us is this alignment with source. And one thing they were saying is because there is no such thing as conditional love. It doesn't mm -hmm. actually exist. You can't get anything from having your car be perfect. You can't get anything from having your mate be perfect. You know, you can't get anything from constantly having your, you know, making your health perfect, be, you know, in terms of what we really need. And what really life is, it only really comes from this connection to source. Everything is flowing from that. And, um, you know, because it's so hard for me not to just always be, as we said, looking at conditions. And, you know, when I see a little tiny dent in my car, it's like, oh, dang, you know, it's like something's changed in my perfect condition. No, uh, no, know. no. It's not, oh, dang. It's, oh, ding. It got dinged. <laughs> <laughs> You had to say that. I right? just had to. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. I'm glad you did. Keep it lighthearted, Walt. That's right. <laughs> well, keeping it lighthearted is, the, is really the secret oh, no, to the whole what, thing. That's what I like. Yeah. That's the condition. If I don't have that condition, I'm <laughs> It's funny, though. I mean, I like your, your point that uh, there's really no such thing as conditional love. It doesn't really exist. <laughs> yeah. When I was thinking about that, it was like, It oh, really yeah, doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> we, we like to talk about it, right? That's what, that's fairly popular these days. It's one of those pop psychology things, right? Conditional love. Yeah. 
I was thinking of it in terms of like a relationship and you want, there's always these, there's these myths out there in the world of psychology, the world of relationships that say all these different things like, oh, well, there's going to be the honeymoon period and you're going to meet this person and, oh, there'll be this period of time where you guys are just, you can't, the other person can't do anything wrong and you're <laughs> in love and, and, you know, even the lovemaking is fantastic. Everything, you know, is great. And then, you know, time goes on and, you know, you start to realize, oh, this person has flaws and their feet are made of clay. They don't walk on water. And, <laughs> you know. and it's like, and, and, and I and then I even was reading this thing the other day. They said, you know, you'll, you'll start making love with your lover and, you know, a good relationship and then it'll be really great. And then eventually it'll be less and less, you know, good. And, Pretty soon she'll be saying, I've got a headache tonight and let's not make love. And, you know, and, and I'm thinking all of that is conditional love. Mm, all of is. that is the setup that, you know, you're, that you're basically, you're relying on conditions to make you, to make you happy, you know, like, and it, and they're, what they're saying is you're not in control at all of whether or not you're going to keep that love alive. Well, I don't know if they're, if they're saying that, but they're saying that. Well, it certainly it, leans that way. Yeah, that these are just the natural patterns. And, and But it, it's scary to me because it makes me feel like I don't want to succumb to not having my relationship be exciting every time I meet my partner, not having there be an unlimited potential of making love and and have it be something that's constantly expanding. You know, I'm a, I don't want to be a being who's just looking at how things are not going to work out the way I want them to. <laughs> I want to look at it the other way. Well, but it's interesting too, because you use the word perfect, right? You described yeah. perfect, yeah. perfect, uh, perfect love, perfect, uh, sex, perfect uh, people, perfect, uh, events, perfect, you know, and, and I remember, uh, uh there was a line from the movie, uh, Seabiscuit about the horse that was this this racehorse in the 1930s that captured the yeah. attention of the nation and ended up running a match race against the Triple Crown winner who was a mm -hmm. descendant of Man of War. The Triple Crown winner was War Admiral and beat War Admiral in the match race and, and just really just captured the imagination of an entire population that was exhausted by the Great Depression and, and really needed a feeling of hope and possibility and, and that's what they saw in this horse. Well, in the movie version, Jeff Bridges plays the owner of the horse, and one mm -hmm. of his lines at one point, he's speaking out of frustration, but he says, perfect. You show me something that's perfect, I'll show you something that's not. <laughs> I thought that was really good. Because what, really, what it recognizes is that the things or the events or the people that we want to make perfect, when we really look at what perfect is, we find it really isn't perfect. Sure. And, and so that raises the question, well, why are we aiming at perfect? <laughs> why, why do we think we've got to be connected to source? And why don't we just like learn to accept that everything's conditional and everything is going to diminish and decline or change or otherwise not please us eventually? Because uh, I look at that in my relationship, like if when I'm hooking up with someone at my age, you know, we, we're what, basically what we're agreeing to if we're in a relationship is we're going to watch each other age incredibly in the next 10 years, you know, because I'm almost 70 and she is 70. Going from 70 to 80 <laughs> is quite a ride, you know, and then 80 to 90, forget about it, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm thinking, so talk about conditional. Um, if I'm, if I'm really digging the fact that 
you know, her beauty and, you know, I better find that inner beauty, you know, <laughs> I better really find the, the, my connection to source in this relationship because it's things on the outside are going to change a lot. You know, mm -hmm. this is when people fall and break hips. This is when people, you know, just all kinds of things happen. The skin really starts sagging. Everything starts changing to such a degree that, you know, you start realizing this is what old looks like. This is what old feels like. And, um, and yet we also know that it doesn't necessarily. No. And in fact, that's why I'm so keen on this thing of looking through the eyes of source. Um, how does source see her? How does source see me? Well, as perfect. Well, what does that mean? You know, it means that in my mind, it's like I'm aligning with this energy of that, you know, creates everything that makes everything what it is in this world but it's there's something so beautiful about all that that it it can take one's focus off conditions you know and less and less be have angst about the fact that the conditions are changing well that's and, why i was talking about the word perfect because mm -hmm. i act, i honestly don't believe that perfect is the same thing as in alignment i think actually it's the opposite mm -hmm. i think that when we say that we want something to be perfect what we're really doing is saying we want to apply the ultimate extreme example of conditional conditionality to our love. <laughs> well, and because of that, I think we end up trapping ourselves. We end up creating a, an endless series of losses because we never reach perfection. Whereas if we turn the whole concept around and say, well, instead of perfection, what I want is acceptance. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to treat acceptance as if it were perfection, perhaps. Hmm or you know, my idealized version of perfection, well, then acceptance becomes an easy standard to hit, comparatively mm -hmm. speaking, because at least that one I can reach. Perfection, I can't even reach it because it changes. <laughs> moment to moment, as soon as I, I start to zero in on it and focus in on it, all of a sudden it morphs into something else, and I have to go focus in on that, and then it morphs into something else. I, have to go for, I mean, it never stays perfect. Perfect, oh, see, per I... perfect never stays perfect. Right, if you're talking about it conditionally, but I'm talking about an unconditional perfection. Like the source see the source see everybody in the supermarket when you walk in there is perfect. I think so, but you know, there's nothing about anybody's single body in that whole store or their mind or their emotions, you know, anything if you were to tap into every single person in that in that sh store who's who you could say externally conditionally is perfect, but in the eyes of source, every single one of them is perfect. So for me, it's like looking to see through the eyes of source. And if I'm feeling that alignment inside myself, like if I sit and meditate in the morning and then I go over to the store, you know, there's more potential if I'm feeling really good that I really will see deeper into those human beings or feel deeper into what that perfection really is. Do you well, know what I'm saying? I do, that, but that's why I, I say I prefer the word acceptance rather than perfection. Okay. Because with acceptance, I don't have to... It, it's not my responsibility for the other person to be without physical flaw. Yeah, but but I'm not expecting anything to be without physical flaw. I'm expecting well, in that some, they're... In some ways you are. I mean, when, when you're asking for even a, a an unconditional perfection, you are asking for a certain idea of flawlessness. I mean, that's what perfection usually means to people, a, an idea of flawlessness. 
Okay. So you're saying that, okay, let's say somebody's, you know, 200 pounds overweight or, you know, they weigh, they weigh 300 pounds and they can barely walk, but they're in the store buying their food. And, uh, and you look at them and you say, that person is perfect. But what you're wanting to say is I can totally accept that person the way they are. Not only can I accept that person the way they are, but I can accept the statuesque Barbie doll the way she is, even if she's got <laughs> a little tiny flaw on her skin. Uh-huh. See, that's the thing. It, the acceptance has nothing to do with the flaws. The, the acceptance has to do with, first of all, we are all source energy. We are all, in that sense, I guess you could call that perfect. Personally, I don't like the idea of calling that perfect. I just think of that as source energy. That's like mm-hmm. the source of everything. So is that perfect? I guess so. Sure. Okay. But that's really not the way I think about it. I think mm-hmm. about it as just that's what it is. It's source energy. Mm-hmm. It's the creative force. It's it's love. It's it's you know all the, the good things in life. And I don't really mm-hmm. need that to be perfect. I just, it just is what it is. And, it, and I like what it is. And that's all I mm-hmm. really need. I just, I just, I just like it. Um, and I think the way Source looks at that 200-pound person, 200-pound overweight person, um, I, I don't think that they miss the fact that they're 200 pounds overweight. I don't think Source ignores that part. Mm-hmm. I think that they simply accept it. You know, from Source's point of view, all of us die. Now, Source also knows that we, it isn't a permanent ending. It's just a death, a physical death. But mm-hmm. nevertheless, from Source's viewpoint, we all die. And, and Source is okay with that because mm-hmm. they are okay with us. Mm-hmm. Source energy and source, source beings, non-physical beings, are perfectly okay with us, even though we're doing something that you know, we don't really want to do. We're aging and dying, okay? We don't really want to do that. But you know what? Source is still okay with us. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the true unconditional nature of it. it. It's not about whether or not, oh, my God, he's dying. Oh, no, no, no. Oh my God, he's 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 putting on weight. Oh my God, he's he's getting sick. Oh my God, this. It's never that. Right, never right. That There's at all. Not, it's not the oh my God. No. <laughs> yeah, because it's, they're not focused conditionally and expecting the conditions to always line up with some ideal of. of and, and yet, simultaneously, they also accept that part of the person. Mm-hmm. That's why I say it's about acceptance. Just being like willing that. to accept them the way they are. And love them and know perfectly well that any physical death they go through is temporary. It's just like, you know, that's just one little thing that happened. But they go on and they go on in their infinite solar uh, source energy splendor. Yeah. And I think one thing I deal with is the angst around the changes as they take place. You know, like you, I was talking with my partner over the weekend about, you know, when somebody loses a loved one. Um, there is in a way it's just the person just made their transition and there's nothing wrong with, as Abraham says, croaking, you know, cause it's, <laughs> I love the word. Too. You know, they, they like it to be as disrespectful as possible because they want us to understand there's nothing wrong at all with dying. You know, it's like, it's completely just a normal process. In fact, they said, celebrate it. It's something to be celebrated. Mm-hmm. I, and I agree and, with uh, them. I, I, in fact, the first time I heard that, like everybody else, I was a little shocked, but I also waited for the other shoe to drop to find out what they meant. And when I found mm-hmm. out what they meant, I said, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And yet my partner was pointing out, you know, you just can't, you can't deny that there, if you're in love with someone, you feel a great affection for them. You've had great experiences with them. You you know, it means a tremendous amount to you. Then when that person suddenly goes away, 
that it, it, you don't necessarily sit there and celebrate, you know, like sometimes people just feel they have to feel the loss. And, um, so I don't know the point, I guess I was trying to make is something about, you know, what that's conditional, but it's, uh, it completely makes sense. And I guess the point I was making is that as I watch my partner age, for example, you know, or watch myself age, it's, it's, there's a conditionality that I feel around it, that I feel angst or disease or otherwise sad and disappointed to be losing <clears throat> some of the youthfulness that I had. And of course, you know, old age proposes, you're going to maybe have to eat that entire donut because you're going to be more and more seeing that, you know, you're not what you used to be. And are you into that acceptance of it all? Is it, you know, can you be in that place the way source sees it? And I like the word acceptance. I mean, that's, that's the thing, but, but also to see that it's just, there's a divine beauty to the whole process. There's something about the whole thing that was created from a place of, of true wisdom, you know, and that it isn't just a screw up that we get old and that we have to lose all these functions that we had. And that's just a, a real unfortunate thing, you know, I don't want to see it that way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to see the beauty in it somehow. I want to see how this is really, really cool that uh, my partner is no longer going to look really as beautiful as she used to look. And, uh, you know, something's really beautiful about that. The only way I'm going to see that is if I'm, I'm in this place where I can somehow make it irrelevant that she's aging and make what's relevant to me this being that's living inside her body, this incredible being of light that's still speaking to me and communicating with me. And of course, if that being of light then ends up with dementia, then it's a whole other thing <laughs> that I can't speak with her. Um, well, I, I think the, the core of this is where are you going to focus your attention? Exactly. And the recognition that we are not tied down in the chair that we, I kind of referred to metaphorically where our head is fixed in position and our eyelids are fixed open and our eyes are pointed in one direction. We're not allowed to look anywhere else because mm -hmm. that's not the way it actually is. Right. We do get to decide what we're going to focus our attention on. We do get to decide what we're going to, to think about the most, second most, third most, and so on and so forth. We get to decide that day by day, minute by minute, second by second, moment by moment. Mm -hmm. And because that decision is up to us at all times, then the way I look at it is it's really up to me whether I focus on the decay or not. It's completely up to me. Where mm -hmm. am I going to focus my attention? Am I going to stay... Uh, you know, by default, attacked to this 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 thing that I don't want and that I don't like, or am I going to focus my attention somewhere else? I mean, you just described. You, there's the other thing you could be focusing your attention on the the fact that that she is a being of light just like you are. Which mm -hmm. one are you going to focus on? Yeah. The one good thing about being a human, a physical human, we can only focus on one thing at a time. We can multitask. <laughs> we can rapidly switch back and forth. But at any given instant in time, we can only focus on one thing. That's a great thing to take advantage of. Mm -hmm. Because if we take advantage of it, we can literally decide where we're going to focus our attention. And in doing so, we have a different experience of it. Yeah, and I think the thing for me is to get good at doing that to the point that I oh, really <laughs> believe that the focus that I'm switching to is attainable. And that, it's, and that the condition that I'm struggling against is a condition that I can let go of. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I was just thinking of my car. I got um, 
two little dents that just occurred in this newer car I just bought. And, you know, they're both, they're both, these little dings are both on a crease, so they can't be taken out easily. You know, you'd have to literally redo the door Mm. to get little dents out. And they're, they're pretty small, but you know, in a car that was brand new, it's like the first little dents are kind of weird. And, and it was, it's a good example to me of how strong I've let my mind be on conditions because to the degree to which those little dents bother me, it's, you know, to me, that's a sign of being focused on the wrong thing because the whole rest of the car. It's a really good point. It's a very good point. And, and, And I'm glad you brought it up because you just reinforced for me that I'm getting better at not paying attention to the dings. Mm. I mean, if if you ask me right now, how many dings does my car have? And I, I have a lease. My car is a year old. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm one year into the lease. And if you ask me how many dings it has, I couldn't tell you. Mm. I mean, it probably does. I I don't know. I just don't look for it. <laughs> yeah, I right, literally right. I literally don't pay attention. Yeah. I mean, I I've there have been times where I remember walking up to the car at one point and seeing something on the door and I would just, you know, rub my finger against it just to see if it was a ding or dirt or something like that. And it turned out to be dirt. And, you know, yeah. so I knew, okay, well, that's not a ding. And mm-hmm. then I stopped thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I, I just, and I'd be willing to bet that if I went to look at that car, there probably maybe one or two dings on there, but I don't know where they are. Mm-hmm. And in mm-hmm. fact, because I don't know where they are, you know, here's an interesting question for you because I don't know where they are. Do they remain there? <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> and I don't know the answer to that yeah. one. I mean, oh, theoretically, yeah, right. maybe not. Maybe maybe the universe can, in a sense, reshape the car the way I'm thinking about it, because that's certainly what we're taught. Well, it's certainly true that if someone is in the lane next to you and they pull up to the stoplight and their consciousness is admiring all the beautiful aspects of your car, uh, or they don't care, then they might not see dents even if there's some mm-hmm. there. Yeah. You know? Um, we can overlook it. I've done that. I've really noticed that when I've gone out to buy a car, how if I'm in an excited place where I'm, I just want to get a car and I see one and I, and I think this could really work out and I go look at it. How many times I've bought a car like that. And it's not until I've had it home for several months that I start seeing something else that was actually had to be there when I bought it, mm. but I didn't see it, mm-hmm. you know, cause I say it's a used car. And it, I remember I bought one a couple years ago and it, it had this definite dent in the back uh, lift gate of this van. And I didn't see that until about a month after I owned it. <laughs> and I said, that had to have been there, but I was so overlooking it because I wanted this van and I wanted it to be okay. And uh, this dent should not have been, you know, it should have been fixed before it was sold to me. But <laughs> well, the, the car that I previously had was also a lease. And uh-huh. after the lease period was up, I took it in because you go to turn it in, right? And they, they yeah. send some guy to check it over. And he checked it over. And when I saw the final report, it, it had like four or five flaws in it. And when mm-hmm. I looked at the report, I said, where? <laughs> that was <laughs> yeah. literally, that was my reaction. I don't remember any flaws. It, like, I thought the car was in perfect shape. I just, yeah, I, yeah. I just, I didn't see flaws. And as I thought back now, I didn't really check it over carefully. So they may have been there. But they weren't major at all. I can tell you that they were yeah. real. They had to be almost microscopic, because mm-hmm. in my mind they just weren't even there. And indeed, if I had gone over it I, with the guy and he had pointed at stuff, I could have said, "Oh yeah, I can see a little thing there." <laughs> that that that's what it would have been. Now, from their perspective, they're trying to find every little thing possible. 
which is really yeah. ironic because you got to have some pretty serious stuff before they even charge you for anything. But nevertheless, they have to go through that exercise of finding every little tiny flaw that they can find. And I, and yeah. I think to myself, what a miserable job that must be. Oh, yeah. The person who, who's the, uh, the, the ding checker. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, all now he's you doing know, is looking for flaws you know all day long. <laughs> <laughs> now you know how I feel coming from being raised by a, a parent who who always pointed out the external dings and everything, and always talked about external perfection. You know, especially in other human beings. You know, like expecting. You know, like everyone who would come on the TV, my mother would comment about, "Oh, look at how big her lips are, kids." Or Oh, it's too bad that she's overweight. Or oh, why would she wear her hair like that? Or gosh, she her makeup is so beautiful. She oh, what a beautiful woman she is. And I I now I look at women pretty much through my mother's eyes, like constantly. You know, so every woman that falls under my gaze is being scrutinized, and I hate it. You know, I don't really, I don't. I mean, part of me likes it because then I like when I see the beauty, but part of me doesn't like it because then when I see the things that aren't beautiful. It's uh, it's very unpleasant for me, and and yet I'm working with that. You know, I'm literally working with that part of myself to say, "Dang, you know, like how can I just ease off of that, make that <laughs> irrelevant, and make my connection to source be the only thing that's relevant?" Because I can't get love from how that woman looks. I can't get love from mm. how, if my car is perfect or not. I can't. I can't get. It's my day is not going to be better if those dings in my door get fixed. That's true. Yeah. Because that's just an external support making me feel like now I won't be judged or something as having a funky car or, you know, yeah. Or I won't judge myself as less than because my car is not as good as I think it should be. But there's a lot in the world and media and everything that have taught us look for external perfection, you know, look for things to be really, really good on the outside. And, it's almost, like we, it's almost like we need to have um, an, uh, an alternative to the media, alternative to typical life experience doctor in the, in the old doctor joke. Doctor, doctor, it hurts whenever I raise my arm. And the doctor says, well, don't raise your arm. Yeah. You know, so doctor, doctor, it drives me crazy whenever I'm looking at all the, the flaws and imperfections of the world. And the doctor says, well, stop looking at all the flaws and imperfections of the world. <laughs> yeah. Stop, look, stop, start looking at something else. Look at, or, something, look at anything else. <laughs> or change your attitude. That's what it's going to yeah. say. Change yeah, yeah. your attitude. I mean, I was helping my, my partner make her bed the other day and I was, you know, and she has this thing about the, how the bed has to be. You know? <laughs> So, you know, it has to be the sheets underneath have to be just right, right? Before you put on the next sheet and then you put on the top sheet and then it gets brought to a certain position. Oh, boy. And then, and then, you know, when the pillows are put on, they have to be in a certain way to where the pillowcases face a certain way out, you know. And then, you know, anyway, by the time the whole thing's made, it looks really good, right? I'm sure, yeah. And I was almost said to her the other day, I said, I said, now, what time did the bed police show up, you know, to, oh, to evaluate your bed? Because it's like, it's like, give me a break. Um, I mean, I like the way it looks. And so there is that too, you know, and I, I will, if I walk in somebody's bathroom and there's hair in the sink, you know, it's like, mm, you know, it's like, that's kind of funky, you know, but do I expect them to clean out every single hair in the sink? You know, well, I guess so. But do I do that when somebody comes to my house? And, uh, and so it's like perfection, you know, looking for external conditions to make me happy is, um, 
Well, you're it's, making an interesting point here. I don't know if you realize the point that you're making completely. Cause no, probably not. What, what, <laughs> I'm <laughs> not as smart as you, Walt. No. Oh, yes, you are. You're much smarter. But the, but oh, the fact you, is, Matt. when we look, what, what you're saying here is a very nicely uh, laid out uh, description of how we look at perfection. Perfection is about finding and failing to successfully find flaws. Perfection is failing to successfully find flaws. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Because that's what you just described, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, I know the flaws are there. What am I going to do yeah. about the flaws? Am I going to do something about it, in which case it looks great? Or am I not going to do anything about it, in which case I'm a, I'm a sucky person? <laughs> it's all about the flaws. So yeah. here we have this, this vague thing known as perfection that we're aiming at. And what do we think about? We think about the flaws. Well, right. there, there's something wrong. There, there's a flaw in this logic. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, it's it's judged that perfection is incredibly um, what is it um, personal uh, subjective thing because uh, you know some person could walk in my house. I've been having my house ready for showings, you know, because they're this condo is being sold. Actually, it just got sold, and it's like, and so the owner came in and walked me through the whole place, saying how she would like it to look for the showings, and so. Since she's been such a great landlord, I've, I've made the house for every showing look exactly the way she wanted it to look. But I was thinking that subjective way that we make the, that her and I made the house look is could be not look that good to somebody else, you know, and to other people, it might look like over the top, like, wow, what did they do to this place? It looks like a well, that's, showroom. That's the danger to being uh, focused on perfection, in my view, because what when we talk about perfection, we usually think of it as an objective thing, which, by the way, doesn't exist. I've come right. to the conclusion that objectivity does not exist. We like to think right. that it does, I, but I it do really too. doesn't. I agree. Okay, but nevertheless, we look at this. You just described it very nicely. We look at this situation as well. My perfection may not be their perfection. You know, from an objective viewpoint, their perfection doesn't really match up with mine, and mm -hmm. my reaction is bullshit. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that that's just that's just another way of justifying turning looking for flaws into perfection it just doesn't work you can't find that, that that's why perfection is really not a good thing to look for i don't think because the only way to to get there is by looking for flaws hmm. and so you're spending all your time looking at the things that you don't want hmm. well how can you possibly win that way law of attraction teaches us very clearly you can't right. you can't win by doing that you're going to only get more opportunities to see flaws Looking you're not going to ever be. You're not going to ever leave the frustration behind. The frustration is always going to be there, because you're always looking for flaws. That I, I, it gets to the point where I ask myself, why would anyone want to bother with perfection? Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. it seems pointless. Well, actually, it does yeah. seem point. It does seem to have a point. It's a point I don't like. But it's always a subjective thing. <laughs> well, not just that it's subjective. It's leading me to a path where all I find is flaws. Mm hmm. Just because I have this this fixation on perfection, mm. I, I really yeah. think it's it's counterproductive to want to th think about perfection in any way. Mm. Cool. Yeah, it's like I I noticed that in the Abraham stuff that they off they always talk about perfection, um, how source sees things, and it it helps me. I guess the least they use that word, like when I think about my partner or or anybody that I'm if I'm being critical about somebody, it's like, and I remind myself, that's not how source sees this person. You know, that's not how source sees the situation. They see, they see it 
through eyes of the fact that everything is working exactly as it's supposed to work. Everything is appearing exactly as it's meant to appear. And it's just that, can you see it through their eyes? Um, and maybe. And, and I think that they, when they look through their eyes, they're not looking from their perspective at perfection. I don't think that source energy and non-physical beings ever look at perfection. I really mm -hmm. don't. Yeah. They look at just what is. Oh, I think they look at what is and what can be and, and what is, what, what they love about what they're seeing, what they're experiencing, what, what they're they interacting with. Yeah. They're, they're not, they're not saying, well, it's not perfect yet because they understand that some, perhaps at an intuitive level, more maybe just at a conscious level, they understand that the search for perfection is the search for flaws. Well, okay. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. But okay, that's cool. For me, the what I do with it is I say I'm done with perfection. Mm -hmm. I really don't want to have to mess around with perfection anymore. There's just too much fire there. <laughs> yeah. Too much pain. Yeah. Too much frustration. Too much angst. Yeah. And yeah. if well, if if the, uh, I mean my wife isn't much of a bed maker either, but let's say my wife was a bed maker like your your uh, your partner is. My reaction would be, have fun. And by the way, I like the result. Mm -hmm. But you're not going to help. Well, I may even help if she asks for help. But mm -hmm. I'm not going to be fixated on it. Right. And afraid that you're going to displease her if your bed's not made Not going to fixate on that either. Because she mm -hmm. is satisfying her need. And if she yeah. wants my help to satisfy her need, yeah, I'm willing to help her. I won't do it for her. Mm-hmm. But, and if she, but, if, but if she's making the bed, she says, could you help me with this? I'll say, sure. Yeah, no problem. Because I want to help her. I don't want to do for her. I want to help her. But if she has angst around, you know, like I, I know a couple who's who the man, the husband um, loves to wear really funky jeans and flannel shirts and old sneakers. And he's a multimillionaire. And she w wants him to dress in really fine loafers and you know, great slacks and, and really fancy shirts from the expensive men's stores. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's sort of like, and that's the way the whole house goes. You know, in other words, if he takes off a piece of clothing in the den, it stays in the den. It doesn't get hung up in his closet, you know, um, and things like that. And, and so they've been together now for 30 years or so. And yet there's still that, that angst, you know, I believe, I don't know, I don't hang out with them, but, <laughs> you know, but I saw it for years, you know, the angst that she would go through around his um, ease around how everything should be and her perfection, wanting to have that, their mansion be perfect. You know, every single thing that she buys from France and Italy and has shipped over and puts in this perfect house is in the perfect spot, perfectly dusted, perfectly taken care of 24 seven. And then she has this husband who walks around and <laughs> creates imperfection throughout the whole house. And, uh, and she keeps attracting that. And she keeps attracting that. And he's attracting somebody who feels the opposite of how he wants to live. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so their whole, I've seen this whole marriage be this thing of, of this struggle between them of this, battle between her wanting things to be a certain way and him wanting it to be a certain way. And, uh, and interestingly and so enough, you, neither one is willing to accept the other on this point. 
yeah, I don't know how it is now, but yes, back then, I mean, I didn't know, I don't know how they, how they worked it out. You know, somehow they did make it work because most of the time the house looked perfect and somehow he must have <laughs> been controlling his tendencies to some degree. But, um, but she was also on, setting herself up. I mean, if she was saying in, in effect, I want this house to be perfect. And every time you make the house not perfect, you are hurting me. She was setting herself up. I mean, she was setting sure. him up too. It was both, but primarily she was setting herself up for failure she was setting yeah. herself up for disappointment sure but you know but then the, my question is what is what do two people like that do because um you know there's this thing in relationship what is it that they want to do where do they want to go right well that's, that's really the more important question i mean sure. you, you see questions online you see them on facebook a lot you know i my my I, I've been attracting, and I, I actually I saw one just like this. I, I was trying so hard to attract my perfect soulmate, and I got him, and I attracted him, and now he's ignoring me, and he, he's treating me badly, and blah blah blah. All this bad stuff is happening. What do mm -hmm. I do? And my, I have a number of reactions when I see those. One of those reactions is, "What do you want to do?" Because they mm -hmm. never define that. <laughs> They—that's the interesting thing. They won't tell you what they want. They don't want to tell you what they want to be different. It's like, well, it should be obvious what I want. Well, it's not obvious at all. Actually, you could have three or four different kinds of reactions to that, maybe more. But they think, from their perspective, that there's really only the one, and that's the one that they're having, and everybody should know that. <laughs> and there, yeah. there's a built-in talk about flaws. There's a built-in flaw in that logic, isn't there? Because it basically says my perspective is everyone's perspective. The way I experience this is the way everyone experiences it. And therefore, if somebody is interfering with my uh, experience of it, it means they are the cause of my perspective shift. No, <laughs> they're not the cause of anything like that. We're the only ones that cause our own perspective shifts. Mm -hmm. So what is this thing of, of compromise? Like, like, do you compromise? In your relationship? Never. Because, huh? Never. Okay. So, Louise and I never compromise. Compromise uh -huh. is not needed. Because compromise, when you really come down to it, is I will suffer this way if you will suffer that way. Mm -hmm. Like, in and, other and words, we just refuse I'll, to do that. I'll, I'll put up with helping you make the bed every morning, even though I don't want it perfect. I don't want it to look like this necessarily it doesn't really matter to me if it's just a sheet thrown over the top of the bed but if you want to have the sheet and the blanket and the three pillows and the perfect spread and everything folded exactly the way it's supposed to be and then all creases taken out of the of the spread um i'll help you do that every morning i'll compromise and help you that's actually now, much more detailed than the way we, we do it that, that 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 has such a level of detail that the detail is all about i want to manipulate it my way we don't even go there where we leave it is, if you want the bed to be that way, more power to you. Just mm -hmm. don't expect that I, my, I exist in order to satisfy your needs. That's not my purpose in this relationship. And but vice would versa. you help her every morning and, and compromise the fact that you'd rather be in the other room reading, reading something, but yet you're going to help her not get the bed? Not out of her perfect? expectation. Hmm. Not out of expectation. Only if, if you felt If I want to give it to her, then I give mm -hmm. it to her. And similarly, she does the same thing with me. This, mm -hmm. this, is, this is why I say there's really no such thing as compromise in a healthy relationship. In a healthy mm -hmm. relationship, we don't, we don't have each other in, an, in a, a half Nelson on various things. 
That's what compromise is about trying to get the other person into a half Nelson so that their behavior will make me happy. Mm -hmm. And I'm willing to suffer some pain as long as they're willing to suffer some pain because that way they'll be making me happy. Interesting thing about that. They never are. People who insist that compromise has to be a part of their lives, when they look at the things that they compromise on, they're never happy about them. Right. That's what I feel. Yeah. That's why I'm looking at... And that's why I say it's a flawed approach. ...how to have a relationship without compromise. And the only way I can imagine to do it is to be be able to say it's it's irrelevant what... um, what's going on with her externally what's what's relevant is my alignment with source and if i if i get alignment aligned with source then i'm going to see her in a different way and i'm going to see the things that she's choosing and doing in a different way and an interesting Uh, thing happens i'm not a a person who likes cleaning house at all mm -hmm. but when my wife is cleaning house she will occasionally ask me for help and i will when you know if i'm feeling uh, loving toward her, then yeah, I want to help. So I'll, I'll certainly help. But most of the time, what she'll do is she'll say, well, I've got to clean this. I got to clean that. And I got to clean that. And when she does, she's taking responsibility for what she wants to have happen. An amazing thing happens. All of a sudden I want to help her <laughs> because she isn't trying to half Nelson me into it. Yeah. She's just saying, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to get to. And I wanted her to feel good. So I'll help her to feel good. But it's a gift at that point. See, compromise isn't about gift. Compromise is about coerce. Gifting, giving it out of you just because you want what's good, what, what, what the other person feels is good for themselves, just because you want to help them get there where, where they want to be. That, a true gift is voluntary. Right. It's voluntary. It's, it's something that the other person didn't have to squeeze out of you in any way whatsoever. Right. That's so much like, better than compromise. I, so much I better. I hope you'll... Hope you'll gift me with helping me. No, clean that. no, 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 no. That's manipulating. <laughs> there is no hoping. There, there, there's no. Oh, please gift me. There's nothing like that. There, there, yeah. there is no position of victimhood. There's no position of of I am weak. You know. Oh, I. You're such a strong man. Right. Nothing like that. That doesn't exist in our relationship at all. Mm. Not even for a split second. We have too much respect for each other to treat each other that way. That that right. would be so demeaning to be treated that way. Right. We just refuse to even go there. Mm. But she gets so much more out of me because she doesn't treat me that way. And I don't treat her that way. Yeah, that's good. I grew up where I And I get a lot of her, by the way. It works both ways. I learned when I was growing up to get love from my mother by being treated that way by her. Like she would do a victim, do a victim thing really strong. Like, I'm so tired. Oh, would you please scrub the floor? You know, and I go. And the oh, world's yeah, tiniest violin is playing in the background. Yeah. And then <laughs> and then the lot, amount of love she would lavish on me afterwards was the greatest love I would ever get from her was mm. if I did something when she was telling me that she was suffering and that would I please help her out. And then that's how she would get me that's to do it. That's the part, yeah. And then I would go, well, I, I would start learning. If I do this really, really well, I would scrub the floor better than my dad could do it. And he was really good at it. Cause he was always helping her. Then it was like, okay, then um, I'm going to really get a bunch of, you know, praise. And when my dad gets home, she'll double praise me to him. So I grew up my whole childhood, like doing everything from that point of view. Like I'm doing this to, you know, I don't really want to be doing this, but um, I'm going to, this is the only way that I get, you know, the strokes I want to get from my parents is, as I. Um, and of course those strokes felt transient. 
They didn't feed oh, yeah. continuous. He always had to do it again and again yeah. and again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which was, which is the conditional side. <laughs> yeah. So I spent my adult life, like the, all the women I've been in a relationship with, I, I get into this thing really easily of, I'll let me go way beyond anything that I would ever want to do. And I'll do it for you because you want it and you get pleased and you give me good feedback. You know, when I, when I do things that please you, or even, even if they don't, I think that's how I'm going to get love, you know, is if I, if I go above and beyond the call of duty in every area and make things exceptionally, but it, it's not listening to my own inner um, needs, you know, like how would I like it? And know, it's not real I love like either. I mean, when no. you really come down to it, it's not love at all. No, no. Right. 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 So it's a, there's conundrums that people get into around this stuff. So oh, that's God, why yes. <laughs> I look, I look so strongly for what is it? That's why I, I come up with topics like this because I need to know what it, what it is to make it irrelevant about what's happening externally and make it relevant about what's happening internally so that my inner alignment with source becomes my only, and it becomes my only salvation. You know, in a lot of ways, I right now in the relationship I'm in, I can't even imagine how I could even be in the relationship if I wasn't finding alignment with source, you know, because externally the conditions are always changing into things that are sometimes pleasing, sometimes not pleasing. And that's the nature of the external world. But I know I've got to find my rock, my bedrock, my connection to source inside myself so that if my partner does and says things that that are freaking me out or appears a certain way that's freaking me out that I don't I don't let it freak me out. I go no, I'm I know what it feels like to be connected to this love, to this beauty, to this feeling inside myself, you know, of Absolutely. being connected to source and Yep, that's, it's the that, most magnificent thing to try to imagine. What is being connected to source? You know? <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's it. That's who we are. Who, who, who is the us? That's p- part of what we're trying to learn as we're doing the connecting. By the way, speaking of connection, I, I want to encourage those listeners. First of all, we, I want to thank those listeners who are subscribers. And we know how many of you there are because we see how many podcasts you guys download every month. It's fantastic. But for those who are new to the podcast and haven't heard it before, we want to encourage you, take a moment and become a subscriber. Join the club, so to speak. Uh, it's really easy to do. You just go to the homepage of a website. Our website is loatoday.net. The instructions are right there just below the player where you can listen to the live broadcast um, in addition to listening to the recorded podcast. And when you when you do it, it takes about a minute to do. It's free. And when you're all done, you get the constant stream. Every time that we put out a new episode, it comes flowing right to your smartphone or to your tablet or whatever device you're using. So you can play them anytime you want to. Plus, we do encourage you to listen to the live broadcast on the homepage. And we're liking the fact that more and more people are doing that. So please subscribe. Share the fact that you did. And you know, occasionally tune, tune in, listen to us live. Maybe even call us. That'd be really fun sometime. Mm-hmm. And Tom, for somebody who's looking for a little, little personal coaching, you're a professional coach. How do you? How do they reach out to you? Uh, I offer a free half-hour coaching session. And it's a way that I determine if I want to work with somebody and someone can determine if they want to work with me. And they go to my website, which is you are joy, the three words, Y O U A R E J O Y.com. And you can sign up there. It's in the menu bar, how to sign up for a free half hour with me. All right. There we go. So Tom, it's been a pleasure. I look forward to talking to you on Friday. Yeah, me too, Walt. And we'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.